Hello, welcome to a beautiful podcast to fall in love, an unofficial Bachelor Nation show from TV Guide. I'm Liam Matthews, and joining me in TV Guide Mansion is my co-host from Ari Season and Bachelor in Paradise. She definitely knows who Charles Barkley is. It's Jacqueline Trumbull. I had no idea who Charles Barkley was. <laughs> I knew you didn't. <laughs> like Peter, Jacqueline does not know who Charles Barkley is. All right, for you and anybody who doesn't know, Peter included, Charles Barkley is one of the greatest NBA players to never win a uh, championship, an NBA championship. He's one of the greatest rebounders of all time. He played for the Philadelphia 76ers and the Phoenix Suns and the Houston Rockets. He has a giant butt that he used to box people out and grab rebounds, even though he wasn't very tall. And he went to he went to Auburn. He's the greatest basketball player from Auburn. And now he's a great uh, commentator. <laughs> and he says, terrible. That's his catchphrase. That was terrible. Did Peter admit to not knowing who he was? No, but you could see. He, he, they, <laughs> he was on the screen. He was like, oh, cool. Wasn't excited. <laughs> All right, forget about Charles Barkley. We have a, we have a guest too joining us to shed more light on this Victoria F craziness. This situation is the Woodward and Bernstein of Bachelor Nation, Reality Steve. Wow, I've never had an intro like that. Woodward and Bernstein. Nobody has ever <laughs> called me that before. <laughs> And my reporting is spot on, like Woodward and Bernstein. Jacqueline would know for sure. Yeah, a couple of mishaps, but generally. Yeah. He's got deep throats everywhere. Whoa. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> we'll talk a lot about, um, you know, behind the scenes stuff with, with Victoria, stuff we didn't see on the episode um, a little bit later. But first... We got to talk about what we always talk about at the beginning of the show. Uh, how do you think Peter did? How do you think Peter did this week, Jacqueline? Oh, you know, I, I don't even know how to answer that question anymore. He he pushed back against Victoria a bit more than he had before. And it was like, mm-hmm. I mean, she was so manipulative. It was like he was, I mean, it was just watching somebody who's being manipulated and like knows that it's not right and that their reality is being stretched and they're not completely sure what's happening. But at least he was giving her a bit more pushback than normal than he, I mean, than he normally would still remarkable that he's keeping her around. Cause she's so obviously lying. Uh, he told Maddie, she was inspiring again, this time in front of her family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he promised not to tell a woman he was falling in love with her unless he meant it. So he will, I'm guessing dump her in a week or two after telling her that. Mm-hmm. Do you have any other comments? Yeah, he did. Yeah, it wasn't great. It wasn't <laughs> not again. Again, a weak performance from uh, <laughs> pilot Peter Weber. He stood up to Victoria. He did have some good lines with her. You know, she was like, I can't walk away from you. And he's like, you walked away from me multiple times already. Yeah, he, he had another line I really liked, which was, I don't even think you want me to love you the way I want to love you, which was mm-hmm. a beautiful line. It's just, yeah, he can't see her for what she is still. Which, fine, it's, you know, it, it's such a short amount of time in reality, and these relationships are incredibly addictive, so I guess he's pulling a Hannah and just needs more time. I, I, unless this was producer-manipulated, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, what's clearly happening here is that he wants to take her to the fantasy suite. Once that's over, his mind will be clear. You know, he can... <laughs> Right, Steve? That's kind of what it seems like. It's just like he's, I got to see what this is. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, I, I think one thing that you can look at is you go over back this whole season, every single time he's been with Victoria, 
there has been an issue. You had the Chase Rice date. You had her one-on-one date in Chile, which she got two episodes later, which is kind of unheard of in this franchise to have two one-on-ones within two episodes. And, you know, she walked away crying on that one. She wouldn't open up. Then you had her three-on-one date where, again, she walked away crying, basically thought she wasn't going to get a rose, manipulated him into another rose. And then you had the overnight date disaster that was last night, and yet he still keeps her around. And when you watch the Chase Rice date and you watch the Hunter Hayes concert date last night, it's clear their relationship is purely physical. Like, he is a, she, he is attracted to her. And for whatever you want to say about Victoria and her personality, she's an attractive woman. Yeah. She's got a great body. Like, let's, not, let's not pretend that she doesn't. She's an attractive woman, and he's <laughs> clearly attracted to her, and he, he's shown he was attracted to her physically by always being all over her during the concert date, you know, wrapping his arms around her, making out with her. He did it for both dates. And so when he does all that and goes out of his way to keep a woman around who he's constantly fighting with and constantly has to get answers out of, when, as I mentioned earlier, you know, off-air, Kelsey, outside of Champagne Gate, which happened in episode one, she hasn't presented him with really any problems. She's She's emotional, but it just shows how much far ahead in his head, both heads, uh, Victoria was than Kelsey. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's a kind of an irony in Madison now telling him that he's not allowed to sleep with any of them because like Liam, your point is that he just needs to kind of clear his head in heavy quotes with Victoria. <laughs> and now he doesn't get to do that. So she could stay forever. Well, we are not a spoiler podcast. Yeah. Peter doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> No. <laughs> Peter will do what he feels in the moment and then uh, consequences be damned, I think. Yeah, and I think I'm, I'm really interested to see exactly how next week Madison presents her information to him. Obviously, she's going to tell him that she's a virgin. In the previews, it makes it seem like Victoria is under the assumption she gave him an ultimatum, but Madison doesn't seem like the most confrontational person on this show. I, d- I don't think she's going to tell him, look, you have sex with somebody and I'm out of here. I think she can put it more like, look, I'm a virgin. I, this is what I've chosen to do. This is what I plan to be until my wedding night, essentially. Um, this is how I feel about overnight dates. And I just want to let you know. And I, I think it's more presented that way than you have sex with somebody. I'm out of here, dude. Like, you know, F you. I, yeah, I, I think she just... You can even see part of that conversation in the previews for next week. Like she's, she kind of just lays it out there. Like I would feel uncomfortable or, and, and totally goes about it a different way because trust me after next week, the whole Luke P Hannah situation is going to get brought up again by the public. Why did we crucify Luke P for acting the way he did Right. for telling Hannah she couldn't sleep with anybody versus Madison's going to get off scot-free. And I don't know if she'll get off scot-free, but I think just the way Luke said it in the moment after he found out she had sex with the other two guys, Madison is giving him a heads up before they even head to Australia. Like, hey, this is how I feel. I think there's the big difference. Yeah, it will depend on how, how she frames it, right? Where it's, yeah. this is how I feel rather, because Luke was like, you can't do this. You have sinned Yeah. as long as she doesn't you know, present it like that in a judgmental way like that. I also think, you know, ultimatums get a bad rap, but and and they're usually a bad idea, but there is such a thing as 
having a standard or a boundary that you're unwilling to let be crossed, you know? And it's not, like I said this at the time with Luke, but you're right, Steve, like Luke's problem was that he did it after her overnight date with Peter. It gave her no warning that this was his expectation. But saying like, I would not be able to get married to someone who had sex with two other people a week before our engagement is not an unreasonable thing to feel. Or, you know, and so if, if her reality is like, look, if you have sex with these other women, then I'm out. Like, that's an ultimatum, but okay, that's fine. Like, that's how she, that's how she feels. And that's not crazy. I also think one thing to take into consideration is this, this is going to be different next week. And, and I don't know if you noticed it. They certainly gave it away in the preview, but um, this is the first time we've ever seen the final three share the same yes. condo during overnights. That just, I mean, in 39 seasons, that's never happened. The second, basically the second hometowns hit, the second you split up for Final Four, the only time you ever see any of the other contestants is standing there at rose ceremonies. And they're not even allowed to talk then. So this is all a production performance that they're putting on because they know what's coming. They know, and by the way, Madison has the last home uh, overnight date. So they know what they were doing by putting Victoria and Hannah Ann before Madison's overnight date. They knew what they were doing by letting all three hang out, in the, live in the same quarters during overnight dates. Like, I cannot tell you how much of a difference that is from their norm in the fact that they've never done it in 38 seasons, but yet they do it for this season when they have one of the final three, a girl that he strongly is interested in, be a virgin. It, it's, it sucks, but again, it's just kind of like, well, you signed up for this. You can't complain about it when yeah. this is what you signed up for. But yeah, that's, that's definitely something to look at next week that never been done is that these three women are all living together. So it's seemingly... He's going to go on an overnight date. That girl's going to come back the next day, talk about what she did, or, you know, maybe, maybe not. I don't know if they're going to go into detail, but um, yeah, they've never had to ever hear from the other women after their overnight dates because they never see them. They're separated in three different villas across wherever their overnight date location is. Wow. Pretty amazing. Yeah. It almost makes me wonder if the producers take his relationships less seriously than in previous seasons, because usually, I mean, there is... It is important if you want a happy ending to the show to protect the relationships a bit more than this. And now they're just like, I mean, they're just going wild. They're like, we're going to go all in with the drama and not really, not really push for something lasting. Uh, let me ask you this, Jacqueline, since you're a woman. Sure. Because I, because this has been brought up to me a few times, people saying that Madison should have told him earlier. I don't agree. Um, at what point should she have told, like on the first date, one-on-one of the season, when she's on a wedding vow renewal date, she should drop in that she's a virgin. Should she have told him during a cocktail party? Should she have told him during a group date after party? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know if there's any, a right time to tell somebody this, but it definitely isn't. She should have told him before this moment. I don't agree with that. I, I agree with you. Yeah, I don't I don't think there's especially if you are a virgin who's waiting for marriage, you probably are going to be uncomfortable talking about sex on national TV when you've just met someone. Yeah. So it, it makes complete sense to me that she would wait until I mean, she also probably didn't want it to be a major dramatic like issue in the house as it has been in previous seasons where everybody's gossiping about it. And now you know, it's gotten to the point where okay, she's lasted long enough, she's seriously considering marrying him. And so it has to be brought up. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to take a break. Steve is going to fill us in on the Victoria situation. Back after this. All right, we're back. 
And so, Steve, Jacqueline was telling me that you were kind of involved in this Marissa situation, right? So can you fill us in on what happened to, to make this moment happen? Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Um, obviously, every year I get stuff sent to me about contestants. And um, I can say on the record that in my career covering this show and writing about it, which is every single season outside of the first two Bachelor seasons, I've never gotten more negative information about a contestant than I have about Victoria. It's it's unheard of. It's unprecedented. Wow. And it was from the second she was announced as a contestant back in September. So obviously when I get stuff like that, I'm just like, okay, let's, it was still September. It was filming it. It hadn't even started yet. And I'm like, okay, well, let me just see how far she lasts because this isn't something that if she goes home the first or second episode, I'm not going to write an expose on her or anything like that. It's just, it's not relevant. Um, however, Marissa came to me about two weeks into filming and she told me stuff that, you know, I had heard and I said, yeah, no, I know. But Marissa came to me with more of a, Steve, is there any way you could get me in touch with a producer? She goes, they have to know this about Victoria. And I used to date Peter. You know, we don't, we're not close friends anymore. It's been a couple of years since I've even talked to him or seen him, but I care for the guy. I dated him seven or eight years ago. We dated for five months. I love his family. Um, producers need to know about this. And I'm like, no, I go, I don't know anybody, but I go, why don't we, like I said, we were two weeks into filming at that point. I said, why don't we just wait until we see how far she lasts. And then as we get closer, maybe involve someone else, or I can call somebody who might know somebody that can put you in touch with them. Well, anyway, as we approached hometown dates, I emailed Marissa back and I said, Hey, it looks like Victoria's getting a hometown date. What do you think? And she goes, actually, I've already spoken to a producer. It looks like they're going to have me on. Wow. And anyway, Victoria's hometown date was on Monday, October 28th. On Saturday, Marissa said producers were in touch with her and planned on having her come to the date. Sunday night, the next night before Victoria's hometown, producers called her back and said, you know what? We're not going to use you. We can't vet out your story. We don't know if this is true. You know, you don't need to show up tomorrow. Well, Monday morning was when I posted my kind of expose on Victoria and about her past and everything that went on. And about an hour after that, producers reached out to Marissa and said, yeah, you need to show up. Um, show up here at a place called The Shack. The weird thing, though, is when she showed up, you know, she signed her paperwork to go in. But the second she showed up, she was never told to do anything. She was never mic'd up. She was never contacted by a producer and said, stand over here, do this, do that, say this. So they told her to show up, but then they didn't give her any direction of what to do. Because that's why when you watch the episode, Peter's just walking and he hears a voice say, Peter. And he turns around and it's Marissa and he, you know, he recognized her because they used to date seven, eight years ago. So that's kind of weird how it all played out. Because I've always thought to myself, well, what if Marissa didn't call his name? What if Peter never walked in the area where Marissa was sitting? Like, would this have ever happened or what was their plan in place and I don't know if they had one I do know that you know someone that Jacqueline is familiar with Lauren Burnham from her season now Lauren Lyondike she's from the Virginia Beach area her parents were at that group date and it was confirmed that they were there I don't know why they were there maybe they would just <laughs> lived in Virginia Beach and wanted to attend a date even though they had done that for you know Ari season I don't really understand the purpose of Lauren Leindyke's parents being there maybe the backup plan was they were going to say something because they knew about Victoria didn't you say her mom was mic'd up I did at the time when I was first told but then I confirmed that she was never mic'd up but she was there with with the husbands like both parents were there so 
But then again, neither was Marissa. So I really don't know what the plan was, but we got what we got, which was Marissa confronting him. And the one thing that Marissa told me that they left out was um, she did say Victoria has ruined marriages and relationships. But last night we only heard her say relationships. So they kept that marriage part out for God knows what reason. I don't even know why they blurred out Marissa's name. I mean, she signed the paperwork that allowed her likeness to be shown on television, so not really sure. Yeah, it's interesting that they that they took the marriage. That's like such a serious accusation and they couldn't verify that. Like if they were going to run with marriages, they would have had to like have some backup for that. Us Weekly ran with Marissa said that she's broken up four marriages. Yeah. Uh, Victoria has. What? Us Weekly has fact checkers, you know? Yeah. Trust me, I've heard... <laughs> when I first heard it, it was like, okay, she's a ba- she's obviously bad news. Okay, I get it. But it was just constant. It was over and over again. And people telling me, Steve, you need to get a hold of this girl. She is the one involved. And I was like, okay, well, I will if we get far enough... If Victoria gets far enough into this process where I think this is going to become an issue. And so once I realized that it looked like Victoria was getting a hometown is when I finally got a hold of... I spoke to two. I spoke to two women who were directly involved, whose, I shouldn't say they were involved, their then husbands were directly involved in inappropriate relationships with Victoria. So this is... Oh my God. I spoke with two. Um, I asked if they had heard of others and they had said, you know, I've heard things throughout the years, but nothing that I could confirm to you or any names that I could give you. So who knows? Um, But... The two that I spoke with was good enough for me to know that her reputation is horrible in the Virginia Beach area. And I mean, I think that we're looking at a situation where this is somebody that isn't going to own up to what she did. And I think, and something that I wrote today was the fact that when Victoria can speak on this more freely, which will be after the season ends, I'm sure her stance is going to be just like it was on an Instagram post when she got back from filming that these are rumors and lies. Well, she's calling them rumors and lies because she knows that the women involved are not going to come out and release this themselves because they don't want to relive this point in their lives. It's humiliating. It's embarrassing. They're not going to put their names to it and they're not going to say, I was the one whose Victoria had an inappropriate relationship with my husband. So that's why Victoria can just say, hey, it's lies and rumors about me. Don't believe it. And it becomes a he said, she said. But I know what I did. I know who I spoke to. I know what I saw. I know what they told me. People can choose to believe what side they want to. But um, I think think the good thing is Victoria's behavior this season is not like my reporting has made it seem like that could be so far-fetched, you know? No, yeah. She was clearly clearly lying during that. It's also like, you know, when you say one is enough, that, I mean, sure, but... If, if it were just one marriage or relationship, at least maybe we could think she was genuinely in love with that person and made a youthful mistake or something like that. But four or two or three is like she just has no regard for marriage or for other people or relationships. And this is just like she's just being destructive for the hell of it, I guess. It's a really concerning character uh, trait or portraiture or whatever to, to break up for. You could say that. <laughs> right. For sure. For sure. So, Steve, do you think they'll ask her to go on Paradise, and would she do it? Oh, I'm sure in a heartbeat they will, because she's a pol- I mean, dislike her as much as you want. She's been the talk of this season. She's a polarizing character. Um, she wants to get fame out of this. She went on the show 
to, you know, increase her brand, just like most people do. And she's no different than anybody else. Um, So absolutely. And then, you know, you have the whole FOMO thing, the fear of missing out. All of her friends are going to be on Paradise. So that's why she's going to do it. Um, But yeah, there's no doubt in my mind she'll be on Paradise. I'd be shocked if she wasn't. But other times when we've seen people get gets so like raked across the coals like this they kind of don't do it like luke p didn't do it maybe they can persuade her that she uh this is her redemption story i think i think luke p is in a different boat just because luke p really didn't bond with any of the guys in the house victoria does have her group of friends natasha uh victoria p lexi and Sydney, they're like that that cat group is they post pictures together they hung out on new year's eve they're close so that's why um and you know like i i even said this at the time like look everyone every girl that's on the show when they were filming i said look every girl that's filming with her now has no idea about victoria's past so i'm sure she didn't offer it up and i'm sure she didn't admit to any of it so it'll be interesting when this show when these women get home and they find out this stuff about victoria if they choose to still side with her or they choose to, you know, not necessarily totally cut her off, but maybe not be so social media positive about her. But no, she, she's got her friends out there and that's and that's fine. They're going to choose to believe her side. And but they haven't spoken to the people that I've spoken to. So that's why they're choosing to believe her side or they don't care about what she did. <laughs> One of the two. You know, it's it's harder to judge someone when you're friends with them, you know, for sure. Jacqueline. <laughs> um, or when you know the truth <laughs> ancient history <laughs> Steve I do I think I've asked you this before but uh, when you release this information because you're a bit of a bachelor vigilante yeah. do you, <laughs> is it is it because like who are you feeling for is it because you're sort of defending right and wrong is it because you're defending the women who have been you know, cheated on by their husbands? Is it just because it makes you money? Like what, what's kind of the impetus behind your like releasing these, this information? I mean, honestly, I think it's kind of a combination of everything. Uh, you know, you know, one of the things that I said from, you know, like you said, from the very beginning is that, look, if Victoria was a one or a, an episode one or episode two boot, this isn't even a story. Yeah. It's relevant because I knew Victoria was going to be a major figure on the show. And, you know, people come to me for, inside information and what goes on and what's really going on with this girl or what she really like. And if I have something like that, like that's just too big not to, I'm not going to put that out there and, or not, not going to put that out there. So there's that. Um, when these women did come to me or when I did find these women, um, they wanted it out there as well. They just said, please do not mention my name. I don't want to relive this, but I definitely think, you know, I was just like, well, did this happen? And they said, absolutely, it happened. And then they showed me proof. And um, so at that point, I was like, okay, it needs to be said. She is in the final four. She is someone, obviously, that Peter is considering. And I think when when that happens, it becomes part of the show. But if it wasn't show related, I I don't think I've really done an expose or done a report like this on somebody who wasn't relevant to the season. Mm-hmm. I don't I, I don't think I've really ever done that before. And so I, I, more of it has to do with show stuff and how it could possibly affect the ending. Like if, I don't know, if whatever, choose any season. If, you know, Ari's season or Colton's season, if I had found out something about someone that he was like engaged to or something along those lines, um, you know, then it just becomes, is it something where I reach out personally first and let them know and have them make their own decision? Or... 
do I just put it out there and say, look, they need to read it? Because I'm not, I, I get really weary about contacting contestants uh, just because mm-hmm. the show and I don't have the greatest of relationships. You know, they have sued me twice in the past. And I just, I don't like going to contestants until the show is over. Um, just because even though they're still technically under contract, the show gets so worried about spoiler stuff. So I'm just like, all right, let me just steer clear of that. Um, so it's basically a case by case basis. And I honestly, I haven't really done considering how many contestants have been on the show and the history of the show, I really haven't done that many exposés. I've done like four. Is the goal to influence the show or is it to uh, help people? (laughs) I think it's more of a kind of like a cause and effect because what I do report ultimately will affect the show. Mm -hmm. So it's not like I'm out. That's not the main goal. But the main goal I think would be people come to me they want to know information about these contestants. And if it's something as juicy as, hey, this girl is not in the greatest of play, you know, this girl, people need to know she has a horrible reputation and she has ruined marriages. Like, I think that's too big not to hold on to. Because I've been told stuff about other women this season that I haven't reported, and I won't name the women, but it's, you know, stuff like, oh, she was a bully in high school and stuff like that. It's like, okay, but I, I just can't. If I did that about every contestant, I'd be reporting stuff every season about seven to eight contestants because I get told negative stuff essentially about everybody who's ever been on the show. Uh, anybody that's relevant. Well, shit, you could have said a ton of stuff about me. I'm so glad you did not. <laughs> I know. It's like it, it's like there's there's negative stuff and then there's big stuff like this, you know. Broken marriages. Have you have you actually influenced the show before, or was this a first time? I'm I'm trying to think. This was um, I think this might have been the first time it actually played out. Now, granted, they never said my name on the show, but anybody that followed during filming knew. And even back to the Chase Rice stuff. I mean, Alea read my site. I mean, that's the only way she would have known to tell the people. She went back home for two days, and she went back and reported to a couple of the girls. Oh yeah, she dated Chase Rice. Well, she only knew that because it was out there because I posted it the day of their date. So, so yeah, actually my, my reporting somehow affected the show twice this season when, yeah, I don't think it ever has in the past where the show had to address something that was going on off air that I had put out there, but uh, I could be forgetting something. I'm not sure. Do you think they're leaning into your influence a bit more? Like, because before they were suing you and everything, but now it, it kind of seems like you're working in tandem a bit. Like you've become more of an asset to the show. <laughs> well, I, I mean, people have said for the longest time that conspiracy theorists love it. They think I'm on ABC's payroll, which couldn't be further from the truth. But um, no, I mean, it was, I think it's just, they know what I do. And actually this season has been so interesting because one of the main executive producers on the show, Martin Hilton, I think even said it. In fact, I know he said it. I I don't have the quote in front of me, but he has basically said, because Peter came out, you know, when he started doing his interviews at the beginning of the season, Peter has come out and said, my season will be unspoiled and there's a reason for it. And someone asked Martin Hilton about that, who's literally the main, basically the showrunner for the show. And Martin Hilton said, yeah, I don't know why Peter said that. He goes, for everything I know, this season usually, our shows usually do get spoiled. He goes, I just assume it's getting spoiled every season. He goes, but for us, it's kind of, you know, free advertising. So 
they know what I do helps them and they know what I do only benefits their show. It only brings more attention and brings more eyeballs. So that's why I think they kind of let me do my thing because there's nothing really they can do. You tape your show in advance, stuff's going to get out. It just so happens it gets out to me. Yeah. And I'm the pl- I'm the place people go to for it. But I think they understand now that, you know, when you have public dates, when you have on your Twitter account hey, there's going to be a Chase Rice date in Ohio. Please come out and email this if you want to be a part of it. That's not a spoiler because they're openly telling people, come to our dates. Um, So I think they know. They they know that I help. And I think they're not directly using me, but they certainly don't have a problem with what I do. Right. All right. Well, I'll I'll let Liam continue being the interviewer. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So I'm loving this. This is a great conversation, but we got to take a break. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we're going to come back and we're going to talk about Hannah Ann and Maddie and Kelsey because they were in this episode too. <laughs> but uh... They were? Oh. <laughs> yeah. So back after this. Okay, we're back. And uh, let's talk just a little bit about Hannah Ann um, who got the first, you know, first date shown. And the thing with Hannah Ann is, Jacqueline, we love to talk about this, is parsing the difference between falling in love and in love. Mm-hmm. All, all these little, these little uh, subtle distinctions, you know, he's falling in love with Hannah, but he's in love with Maddie. Right. It was just remarkable to me that he could not understand what her father was saying, which was, you know, her father doesn't speak the code of the show, which is that falling in love and in love are apparently like two distinct <laughs> <laughs> feelings that do not actually predict anything about whether you will then fall in love. Her father was saying, unless you love her and you intend to be with her, don't say it. Don't waste the word. And so he's like, I hear you. Totally on board with that. But what you don't understand is that when I say I'm falling in love, it doesn't actually mean anything. So I'm going to say it anyway. Yeah. (laughs) And I think throughout the years, you know, it's such it's such a major part of this show because if you're one of the girls or even one of the guys at the end of the film at the end of filming and you're getting close to the end and you don't say it it's almost like the lead looks at you differently because if he gets it from somebody but doesn't get it from somebody else chances are you're going home because that's like they need this part of the show and you know Jacqueline you were on the show and you know that I'm sure there were women on your season that said it or I'm falling in love, or I could see myself in love with you, or I am in love with you. But we all know that there is really no way anyone falls in love while on the show. Well, we as society do not have a consistent definition of what that even means. So I can tell you that all of your emotions are heightened on The Bachelor, every single one of them, including crush and infatuation and puppy love and so as soon as you heighten those things it feels like you're in love and no one can tell you you're not because it's like well I don't even really know what that means in real life so like you know obviously there have been successful couples from this and they were feeling something very intense and I think that intensity is essentially what they're referring to it's new though for the lead to be pressured by producers or whatever now the lead has an expectation that by hometowns he will be telling multiple women he's falling in love with them and so, I mean, because because obviously Hannah Ann had to say it to him, but why did he have to say it back? It just, I mean, I, I get it because it makes her, it makes the audience feel like, okay, we've got two front runners now, even though Maddie's still clearly in first place. <laughs> it was just such a slap in the face to her father. Yeah. No. I mean, he basically listened to what the father said and said, yeah, I hear you. And then went and told Maddie, or went and told Hannah Ann exactly that. 
Yeah. I'm falling in love with you. And it's like, great, but you're falling. What is, again, we, it's, it's, it's semantics at this point, you know, like you said, everything's heightened. Um, there have been successful couples that have come from this show. Um, but I think ultimately, I think the biggest, I think the biggest problem that ends up happening with this show is the fact that, you know, you're just, you're in this state of euphoria the whole time you're there. And like you said, everything is heightened. And the problem is the end result is this show wants an engagement. And that's just an unrealistic expectation to put on these contestants. But we know that's what the show is. And if this was real life, you, I've, I've, talked to, I've talked to former leads in the past. They've been on my podcast that have said like, yeah, if I had a choice, would I have gotten engaged at the end? No. You're basically just choosing someone out of the 25 or 30 that you would rather continue dating over the other ones. That's really all you're doing. But that's not that's not romantic. There's there's not anything about the audience being sucked in at the end saying, wow, this is what I want. This is what I want to see to get down to the end. And for Peter to say to somebody, I'd love to continue dating you. It's just not <laughs> you invest 11 weeks. You want to see this, you know, flowery, romantic. Well, well, there's no there's no uh, there's no beach waves uh, in, in Alice Springs, Australia this season. But, you know, the the it's the setting the look and, you know, having someone get down on their knee and propose. It's just, that's what they yeah, want. They, that's what the show yeah. is, but it's silly. And Liam and I have talked about this before, but it also affects the contestants. I mean, it, it, it raises the stakes. It, it makes it more interesting for us. It changes the values that we discuss on the show. I mean, it really permeates every aspect of the show. So I, I think it's necessary, but you're right. I mean, I, once people are back in the real world, it's like, man, you know, this isn't really a very good... Nick Vile recently called it like starting a game in the eighth inning, but six runs down. Great baseball analogy, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm preparing. We'll talk baseball tomorrow. I think that's exactly it. It's just you, you speak to people after the fact who said, I love you or I'm falling in love with you on the show. And then they get back into the real world and they get back off the show and out of that bubble. And they're like, oh yeah, I really... I had convinced... You're almost... You're more in love with the situation. You're more in love with the setting you're not necessarily in love with the person. You might like hanging around with them. You might want to continue dating them, but you can't really know that you're in love with somebody that you can't text every night before bed, FaceTime every night before bed. Um, someone you've been on, you've had five to 10 minutes on an after party group date with. Like you, there's, you're just not, that's, that's stupid. It's, but in that setting, you're more in love with the whole, you're in love with love is basically what, what it is the idea of love with this person. That's kind of what it is. And then these people come off the show, they're like, oh yeah, no, I was never, I, I was never in love with him or her. Yeah. I just don't like when the, uh, the lead says, tells anyone really like, I'm in love with you or I'm falling in love with you. Cause I think it just narratively, it gives too much away. You know, I just don't think it's good storytelling. I think it was good back in Ben Higgins season when it was new, you know, and it was, it was a fundamental crisis that he was in, but now it's like, now it's just road and it's uninteresting. 100%. All right, let's move on and talk about Maddie a little bit. We talked about Maddie at the beginning of the show, Mm -hmm. but I think there's more, there's more meat on that, on that bone that's on the (laughs) special plate where you have to go around the table and say something nice. (laughs) Yeah, that was weird. Um, I just don't get, like, if Maddie is so religious and saving herself for marriage and needs someone who shares her values, how can she be with the guy who had premarital sex, premarital sex in the windmill four times on national TV (laughs) and then talked about it in front of his parents? And his parents were like, that's my boy. (laughs) 
Yeah. It's just like, why is she, why is she on the show at all? I don't get it. I think, yeah, I think that's a separate argument is you can argue why would Maddie, someone who is really strong in her faith, very close to her family, is saving herself for marriage. Is this a show, not necessarily for her, but should virgins even go on this show? And not to ostracize them at all, but you know what you're getting into and you know you're going to be put in a very awkward position if you get to the fantasy suites, which is what we're going to see next week with Maddie. You can absolutely question why she would go on the show in the first place, right? Am I, am I wrong here, Jacqueline? No, I don't know. I mean, it, p- people can handle different things. And I mean, there have been virgins on the show before. Becca managed to keep her virginity throughout. I mean, if she, if in her head she is confident enough to say to him, like, this is not what this night is going to be about, then fine. I, I agree. The, the problem with this ultimatum thing, and again, like, I don't think it's crazy of her to give it to him. But the problem with it is that it does put him, it, it, it shows sort of a misunderstanding of the position that he's in and the role that he's playing. And that's difficult to do. And I think that's the difficulty of being the contestants is that you just kind of have to accept that this person you're dating plays by different rules and, and how much control are you really able to have over that? I don't know. I I don't really have an answer to that. I don't know whether she's delusional or out of line by asking him to do that, or if it's a completely appropriate thing. Like if you take this seriously enough to really marry me or get engaged, like don't do this thing. Um, But it's also misunderstanding the fact that like, maybe he's not sure yet. And that's why that's the whole point of this is to explore multiple relationships. And so then you're putting him in a difficult position. And if your virginity is the reason, then maybe that should have been disqualifying. I'm, I don't, yeah, I don't think it's straightforward. Yeah, it is. It is a very gray area. And I also, and I do think that Maddie isn't wrong for telling him that. Mm -hmm. Um, And if Peter wants to react the way he reacts, then Maddie has to deal with whatever consequences come with that. And so, does Peter. I mean, they're just, it just, it just is. It just seems like, I think, I I was just thinking long-term, you know, down the line about these two. We know Peter is a sexual individual. Yeah. He had no problem talking about it. You know, the windmill stuff. I mean, Hannah, Hannah, Hannah Brown was the one that brought it up, but you know, they didn't deny it. They made a whole season theme out of it and windmills and girls showing up in windmills and talking about four times and giving them condoms out of the limo on their limo entrances. (laughs) Like they, they really leaned into the whole, Peter had sex four times in a windmill thing. And obviously Maddie knew that going into the show. So my thinking is not necessarily for the show purposes, but let's just say at the end of this thing, you know, it is Maddie and Peter in the end. Can Maddie realistically expect Peter to now hold out on sex until his wedding night? Is that a realistic thing to do for a guy who is as openly as sexual as he is? Is that what he wants? And does Peter want that in return? Does he want Maddie so bad that he will... I mean, I guess if he did, he would be like, yeah, I'm going to choose to not have sex and I'm not going below your waist until our wedding night. Because that's what he's in for. If he if he ends up with her, that's what he's in for. And that's what he has signed up for. It just Peter doesn't strike me as that person. I don't know. That's no, that's how I feel. I agree with you. I think that's a very interesting drama. Virginity has been a has been a plot on this show so many times, just even in recent seasons. And it's just I think it's kind of cool that they're even finding new angles on it that's what's interesting to me to me about it is can the sex bachelor yeah <laughs> can he choose the woman who is saving herself for marriage mm-hmm. that's interesting yeah i mean there there have been virgins on this show and virgins that have lasted very far have gotten even into the 
the final two before. And I will say that we are over 38 in or over well, 23. We're over 23 in the bachelors choosing a virgin in the end. It's just facts. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, it's just, it's however you want to look at it, but maybe, maybe this is Peter's thing. This is, this is another storyline that I thought of. And I'm like, maybe Peter is sick of the old, all the windmill references. And maybe he's sick of being looked at as he's only into sex. He's only into, you know, talking about sex. And he's this freewheeling LA pilot who gets down in the windmill four times that maybe it's more of an image thing for him that. If I choose the woman who everybody in America knows isn't going to have sex with me until our possible wedding night, maybe that helps my image. I mean, there's also that way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he's going to get born again. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe he's tired of having sex. Maybe he thinks sex is stupid and he wants to take a break. And that's why he might end up with Matt. Four times. People expect me to go four times every night. I can't do it. I can't do it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm exhausted. So let's talk about... Just Kelsey briefly. I mean, it was kind of sad watching Kelsey because it was, you know, clearly fourth place. You know, it was just like just watching watching like somebody go to the gallows <laughs> the whole the whole day. Kelsey had an interesting narrative this season where she she was the alcohol contestant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, every one of her things had some had to do with drinking in some way. She went on this wine date after being accused of alcoholism, and then the champagne gate. Did you notice that the grapes that they were stomping on were like grocery store grapes? <laughs> I didn't notice that, but she, I saw you pointed that out. So what's the what's the difference? This is wine talk now. Well, I mean, I, I can't. I guess I can't be positive, but wine grapes are much smaller than that. I think. I mean, all the wine grapes I've ever seen, much much smaller. Those were like store bought, like Concord grapes. Yeah. <laughs> and, are, and is and is really is really great wine being made out of grocery store grapes? I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how to make wine, but it sounds like nothing. And Jacqueline, I don't, I, I don't know why I'm making an assumption about you, Jacqueline. I don't know why I'm making this assumption. By any, by any chance, do you speak French? Why do I think that you speak French? No, I wish I did though. That's the language I would choose to speak if I could choose one. <laughs> we mentioned we mentioned something about you know Kelsey. It just it was clear she was fourth. And I, I, the, the phrase, I think it's called fait accompli or something like that. Like basically your fate's already decided, I think is the, is how it's determined. Like that's what I thought of when this whole Kelsey thing was going on. It's like, because this happens every season, but those hometown dates last night were, com- were shown completely out of order in the way they were filmed. Um, uh. We saw last night, they showed Hannah Ann first, then Kelsey, then Madison, then Victoria. It was literally like almost the complete opposite. Madison had the first hometown date, then Victoria, then Hannah Ann, and Kelsey was last. But it's it's not a huge thing. They change it up every year. I, I can't remember a season where they actually showed the hometown dates in the order they were actually filmed. So it's not a huge thing that they do this, but just know that they do do that every year. Did you notice that Peter added a new uh step in the stepladder of I'm I'm in love with you and this one was my heart is falling as if there's a significant difference between my heart is falling and I am falling <laughs> he said that to Kelsey all right well that is it for hometowns it was crazy and next week is fantasy suites which is also going to be crazy so thank you so much to reality Steve for joining us this has been really really great thank you for all that you do we love it. <laughs> and uh, and Jacqueline, mm-hmm. it's always a, oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you, Ian. <laughs> and uh, so this has been a beautiful podcast to fall in love. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Only if your heart is falling. 
Um, Jacqueline will be on Reality Steve's podcast tomorrow, or will record tomorrow. It'll be up on Thursday. It'll be up on Thursday. So listen to that. We love some uh, quid pro quo. Some quid pro quo. <laughs> Political talk. Until next week. Bye. Whether it's a new Netflix original, the latest season of a long-running network drama, or a reevaluation of a legendary comedy series, TV Guide is the place for fans to come and find out about their favorite shows and movies. And, with our help, discover some new favorites as well. From our Watch This Now recommendations and newsletter, to our WTF Just Happened video series, TV Guide is the premier hub for people who love TV as much as we all do to come and hang out. Visit us at tvguide.com, follow us on social media at TV Guide, and subscribe to our YouTube YouTube channel, youtube.com slash TV guide for all this great free content and let us help you find your next binge.